Welcome to episode four of the Mad Love podcast, where we talk the Harley Quinn animated series. Now, little disclaimer before we dig too deep. Uh, this is not a show for children. So if you have any kids with sensitive ears, send them away or wait until they are gone. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, we get down to some fucking business. Two, one. Uh, with me today is uh, Kendra Hill. Say hello, Kendra. Hi, guys. Uh, Kelly Gaines. Hello, Say hello. hello. <laughs> and Steve J. Ray. Say hello, Steve. We just have way too much fun making this show. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Okay, so this episode uh, is called Finding uh, Mr. Right, and it deals with Harley's trials and tribulations in finding a nemesis. And it does, of course, not go as planned. So starts out after returning to Ivy's place after a bank robbery and breaking her table. Harley decides she needs a nemesis to stop her public exposure after uh, it is revealed that it's just that her bank robbery is just not covered. So let's go around uh, and uh, let's talk about this uh, first scene. Uh, Kendra, go ahead. I love this first scene because you get a, a side of Dr. Psycho kind of comparing. He's like, oh, you know, here's Joker on the screen and he's robbing a credit union. But ours was a real bank, you know, full of predatory lending practices. And that that's their classification. And I love just how angry they get that they're looked down on and don't even make it past ferrets in a box. Kelly, what did you think? Yeah, I um, I, I love the bank comparison. And then also just that Dr. Psycho's like, no, my, my nemesis is Wonder Woman. And they're like, mm, is, it, is she really, though? Because he's, I mean, he is just demoted himself to the bottom rung of supervillains with one word. It's amazing. Um, and also really like that uh, Harley comes in and smashes this table, is making it rain everywhere. Um, and just, it's she's so excited about something that won't even be on the news that she hasn't even noticed that, you know, Ivy was whistling, cleaning her house, having a nice normal day. Um, it just the the differences between the two of them are so clear in this scene. So I just it's a great intro. Steve? The fact that we go into this episode with Ivy whistling the theme tune for the series is just <laughs> bloody fantastic. And then, right, one word of advice to anybody. If you're in Ivy's apartment, don't be a designer table and don't be a TV because you're going to get fucking smashed to pieces <laughs> on a weekly basis. Oh, God, this oh, show is just Abby. mental. It's the best. I mean, yeah, her apartment. Oh, God. Disaster area. And then, of course, we meet good old King Shark, the most cuddly, adorable, murderous carnival <laughs> To me. Yeah, that was, oh yeah. God! I mean, who did ever decided to cast Ron Funches as King Shark deserves a pay rise for real because it's yeah. just brilliant. And uh, yeah, Shark Bat Repellent is back. Thank you, Adam <laughs> West. We <laughs> and that was uh, you know it, it's a it's a yeah yeah the first scene was was just great. Uh, you know I love the the interplay between Ivy and Harley and her breaking the table and her just trying to talk sense into Harley and Harley just not listening. She just doesn't get it. And it's just, it's, uh, it's such a fun, fun dynamic. And that was going to be leading in, you know, uh, Steve, you brought up um, King Shark and that was going to be my next uh, question to everyone is what did they think of King Shark? And what did you think of the fact that he was kind of brought in by Clayface uh, as a social media expert who got Clayface from eight followers to 18. 
So, Kendra, what did you think of King Shark? King Shark honestly becomes one of my favorite characters as this goes along. But the fact that they brought him in as an IT expert and he's just like this, you know, very introverted, doesn't really get along with anybody else, kind of likes to be by himself. I love that because it makes his character more relatable. And it makes you look at each of the villains that are in Harley's crew in a different light because you're like, why are any of these guys actually considered villains except for, you know, the misfortunes that kind of fall along their way? Because none of them truly act like them, especially not Clayface or King Shark in the beginning. Kelly, what did you think of King Shark? He is, I mean, one, I know, and we'll get to this in a later episode, but you can't ever bring him inferior toilet wine, which, I, I mean, kudos to him for that. And <laughs> the whole angle of him being this sort of computer nerd IT expert is so far removed from a lot of what we see of King Shark, um, you know, just across the entirety of his history as a Batman villain. Um yeah, I just, I really enjoy him in this. The, this version of the Suicide Squad would probably be the best one if it were to ever happen. I mean, he's just so, yeah, cuddly. Like, I, I think, Kendra, you said cuddly. That is such a good word for him. Um, yeah, God, I, I love him. I'm so glad he becomes part of the crew. And 18 followers is is good. Going from 8 to 18, that's, that's over... I don't know, certain math percent increase. So good for him. Steve? It's over 100%. That's that's amazing. That, that was <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, he's, he's just adorable. And listen, Suicide Squad, Kelly, you called. I think I need to email Tom Taylor right now and say, mate, listen. This is going to be your team moving forward from issue 10 onwards because um, the entertainment value alone. But one problem, we know you like killing people. You can't kill any of these fuckers because they're just too damn adorable. I mean, like you said, Kendra, Clayface is adorable. King Shark is adorable. We all love Bane. What the hell? This is just like the worst crew of villains ever. Cause you just love them too much. It's it's yeah. hilarious. It's brilliant so oh god yeah this episode to me was what cemented it i think because they just got progressively over this one now after this it's just a roller coaster ride insane nonsense and it's fan bloody tastic oh love it brad would you make <laughs> yeah shock yeah. boy yeah he's he's hard not to uh he's hard not to like and it is you know as you spend time with these characters, it gets harder and harder to pick out a favorite because they all have such charm and there's something about all of them that just kind of draw you to them and, and you enjoy watching them go through these misadventures. Uh, and those little glasses he puts on, he gets on the computer are just just classic. <laughs> those little tiny glasses. Um, He's such and, a little professor. Right. <laughs> and, and so he finds that Going on to find a nemesis.com that of all of all characters, Tommy Tomorrow is available looking for someone to fight on the weekends. <laughs> so, Kendra, what do you think about Tommy Tomorrow being a nemesis for Harley? We're not settling for Tommy Tomorrow. <laughs> I He has a ray gun. <laughs> <laughs> he has a ray gun named after him. No, but I'm just like, okay, of all the people to be like, hey, let's connect. It's just this random guy. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, what did you think? I have to appreciate Harley's optimism. Obviously, she's a very capable capable villain. She robbed a bank and got away with it, it seems, without tipping off anybody. Um, but then she immediately is like, Tommy, tomorrow, no, I want Batman. And then to jump from Batman to Superman is like, she's just, she's swinging for the fence, and God bless her, Steve. I've got to admire Harley's ambition, but I can't admire her sanity, because what? Seriously? But it's not just the fact that, like, Tommy Tomorrow's, like, Z-list heroes. I mean, even the newsboy Legion would have been a step <laughs> up, I think. But even he would consider being the nemesis at fucking weekends. What? <laughs> Not yeah. even full time. It's like, this is a break. It's just brilliant. Sometimes, I mean, I'd forgotten 
who Tommy Tomorrow was until I saw this episode. And then I've looked him up again and almost wish I hadn't bothered. So there you go. Oh, man. Brilliant. Brad, what did you make of oh, man. Mr. This Tomorrow? It's a hive mind thing because I was thinking the same, you know, I, I felt the same way. Like I hadn't, I'd forgotten about him until I saw this episode. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I, you know, he he's, is absolutely a Z-lister and you got to admire Harley's drive. She just will not give up and uh, good for her. You know, it, not only is it fun to, you know, like I said, spend time with these characters, but it's fun to kind of watch them try to achieve these things that uh even though that it's kind of out of their grasp you know that somehow you know they're gonna get there uh it just you know and that's just another added bonus to uh to these characters for sure and so speaking of ambition uh instead of going after tommy tomorrow as nemesis harley decides to take things into her own hands and she steals the batmobile by using a contraption that captures the Batman's voice and re-edits it, which is pretty funny. We'll let you guys talk about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, that leads to uh, an encounter with a certain uh, boy wonder. Uh, Kendra, uh, talk about this scene. This is, this is a prime example of Harley can literally get away with anything she puts her mind to, because this is the most spontaneous scene I've ever encountered. She's like, she gets this glint in her eye and says, well, what about, and, you know, Ivy's in the background, of course, doing her, well, let's not do this plan. You've got a plan. Probably going to end badly. And here she comes with the fucking Batmobile. Something that you've never seen any other villain even try. She went and stole the Batmobile to get Batman to be her nemesis and ends up with the boy Wonder who comes in calling her an old clown and a gutter strike. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, what did you think? I, this crime, I keep saying I'm impressed by crimes, but that's the whole point of the show. I, this, this is so impressive because you wouldn't think, I mean, it's it, Wayne Tech is supposed to have the the best technology in the DC universe, and for some reason, it is so easy to commandeer the Batmobile that you just need a recording of Batman's voice. That's insane. You can't even steal my car with that. I like. <laughs> I I love everything about the way she thinks. So she steals the Batmobile. Doesn't really have a plan other than you know attract Batman. She hasn't even thought through what she wants to say when he shows up. And then it's this little boy who is both insulting her and clearly not the nemesis she was looking for. I actually think Tommy tomorrow might have been better than Damian Wayne, at least from the way that, uh, you know, the Harley reacts to him. And he's just the cutest thing. I was never a huge fan of him in the comics. He always kind of sort of rubbed me the wrong way. And this version of Damian Wayne makes me adore him. Steve? He's just an adorable sweet potato pie. And his dad <laughs> does not make love to bats. Oh, my <laughs> God. That was so brilliant. Um, but Batman would never expect anyone to go that low tech to steal the Batmobile. That's my excuse in defense of that. <laughs> <laughs> he just would have thought, nah, nah, no one would even try that. But damn, she tried it. And it fucking worked. What a genius. I mean, every week you just love Harley more. Probably just because of the stones. She's got some brass cojones, that woman. And I love that. And my favorite part is when Damien walks up and says, you're old. What are you like? 30 and i think well thanks damien cheers make me feel like a fucking stone tablet why don't you oh superb absolutely great what did you make of it brad yeah yeah i uh i i enjoyed the scene especially the i definitely make love to bats <laughs> was, uh, was uh, really funny <laughs> i'm glad you brought that up steve because i was going to if you didn't um yeah, and Kelly, I, I absolutely agree with Damian Wayne. I always think he's a little bit of a dick in the comics, but this is, is a lot more, uh, you know, likable. <laughs> and and it's kind of what I wanted to also is get everybody's opinion on on Robin. We talked a little bit about it, but uh, Kendra, what do, what do you think of this uh, version of Robin? I think that it's a true-to-life Robin. I mean, 
He's 12 years old. He's an absolute brat. He's an adorable brat, but he's an absolute brat. And it brings to life a lot of the qualities from the comic that I think rub people the wrong way, but put into this light, it does. It makes him, like Kelly said, it makes him adorable. It makes him relatable because here's this kid who just wants a nemesis like the rest of his Teen Titan brethren. And here's Harley looking for one. So you would think, ooh, Silver Platter, here's my new nemesis. But Harley wants nothing to do with him. She wants an adult-sized nemesis. So we start down this path of <laughs> leading to Shark Tank. <laughs> Kelly? Yeah, I um, I mean, again, he's adorable, but then also just, it's funny, but I think when we see, you know, he's this little kid who was raised by assassins, and there's something almost adult about the way we're introduced to him. And it happens with a lot of the child characters in comics sometimes when they're supposed to have that rougher background that we never really see them be kids so the fact that we're you know watching him tell little fibs and be nervous and you know all all of the other tiny little quirks that make him such a real child I mean it's I don't know what it says that now two episodes in a row a villain has reminded me of my younger brother but he (laughs) reminds me of my younger brother and just it's it's so endearing I just I, I love this Damien. Steve? Yeah, he's still an annoying little shit, but he's a much more sympathetic, annoying little shit. But do you not feel that he would have fit in at the loser's table at Joshua's Bar Mitzvah perfectly? <laughs> <laughs> because he, again, yeah. is the same kind of annoying, whiny little tell fibs to make myself look better on the tawny show um, and say that now I have a nemesis and I'm only 12. And it was like, oh, your first nemesis at 12. How a brilliant 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 he's perfect it's like you said kendra he is the robin from the comics dialed up to 11 and fantastic love him love him love him love him what about you brad yeah like i was saying i just find him a lot more likable on this show than i do in the comics and maybe it's that that little kid voice that he has that fits i think so perfectly which brings me back to a point I made so many times is that the voice acting on this show is just amazing. It's got to be one of the oh, best yeah. voice acted cartoons since The Simpsons. And I, I don't say that lightly. And this is just a perfect example of that for sure. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's so, so well done. Uh, and, and dialing it back uh, in the episode just a little bit, there was also a new character introduced that we didn't talk about that I'd like to talk about now. And that is Ivy's landlord old cyborg kind of grumpy guy named Sai, which we will see more of in the series. Uh, Kendra, what did you think of Sai? I think I actually kind of like girl geeked out and, and had that little squeal when I heard who was playing Sai. Because um, I absolutely adore Jason Alexander, and he brings something to the character that is just great, especially in later episodes when you learn more about him. But for the beginning, he's just this crotchety old grouchy neighbor who's just like, or landlord who's just like, what are you kids doing having parties and there's animals and, you know, and of course he's going to hear all this stuff because every five seconds Harley's breaking something. So... <laughs> I mean, if, if you're playing the drinking game at home, we're up to, she's been there for two weeks and we've lost nine TVs. So happy shots. Kelly? Yeah, I, um, honestly, he makes me appreciate my landlord. Did you see how easily he just walks right into the apartment? I mean, he had not a knock, no courtesy call, nothing. He's just like, what are you doing? I, I don't know. I, I, as a landlord, I would hate him. But as a, a member of the crew, he's amazing. And in the sense that he has this bizarre, colorful life that you would... I mean, he's a, a cyborg, so I guess you'd expect he's had a little bit of a weird life. But the more we learn about him through the show, the more just awesome he is. Even though he seems like such a throwaway character initially. Um, yeah, I, I love Sai. It's, you know racist comments that he didn't make but possibly was going to make before Ivy yeah. slammed him out. <laughs> he just, you know, he has that crotchety old man who lived an entire secret life vibe, and, and I like it. Steve? 
Yeah, as you both said, Kendra, you're right. I also squeed with delight. I thought, hang on, is that Cyborgman? Oh my boy, he is Ivy's landlord. Wow. And I was hoping, please do not let this be a one episode character, please. And obviously, yeah, we all get our wish and his his, his role grows. But uh, like you said as well, Kelly, oh, what was he going to say before Ivy slammed the door on him? What was he going to come out with? Because he already offended poor old King Shark. Hey, that's racist. That's insulting. Yeah, the look on his little shark face was just adorable. So, like you said, every every week is just a new character that just makes this crew more and more wacky, more and more lovable, and more and more watchable. Um keep bringing them keep bringing them because i'll keep watching forever what about you brad yeah i I get a real vibe from him like he's like a a throwback to like archie bunker and like you know certain 70s sitcom characters and that is just a a, like a an archetype that fits so well with this show and they make it work so well uh you know it's almost you know if it wasn't a streaming show if it was like released you know um Guy like a TV show if it wasn't streaming, it, it would maybe think that it's one of those things where it, uh, he was supposed to be on there just for like an episode, but people liked him so much that they had to write him in for more. But uh, it, it seems like he had, you know, more of a role to play from from even from the beginning. Uh, so yeah, he's he's a fun old uh, old crotchety character. He's not up there with the King Sharks and Baneses and Kite Mans and Ivies, but he's, uh, he's 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 pretty good. <laughs> and uh, moving along with the episode, uh, Robin, uh, after this confrontation with Harley and the gang, Robin goes on Tawny's show to talk about it uh, to the world, and that's where he earns the uh, the nickname the Sweet Potato Pie because he's just so cute that Tony wants to eat him up. Uh, Kendra, what did you think of the scene? I don't know if I actually liked Robin's part of this scene, even though I know it's the instigator that moves it forward, but I loved the gang's reaction to it because Harley throws this huge tantrum. We learn that yep. Batman, you know, doesn't shave because Harley gets mad and she's like, I just want a, a nemesis with hair on his chest and I just like, kind of chuckle in and she's like, well, you're out of luck with Batman. So, I mean, so I, mean, I, I love that Tawny is a continuing, a continuing force to help give an insight to like the, the stuff that we need to see in Gotham, especially in this, this episode. But I just, I like the King's reaction more so than Robin's. What about you, Kelly? I'm just kind of stunned that how, how does she book her guests? Because at this point, I, I feel like we can kind of gather that right. it's all superheroes. Right? Like, who is, how did they get in touch with Robin in the first place? They but paid the $7.99 paywall. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's, it has to be that. Because Tawny seems to have some kind of just deep underground connection to everybody's secret identity. And I mean, again, it's I feel like you see it if you watch, you know, daytime talk shows and whenever there's a little kid on, they kind of tend to run with it. Or or there's that girl who's a rapper now who was mouthing off to her mom in an episode of Dr. Phil and it just the persona grows. You give them a little bit and then it's oh, yeah, and I don't, Harley's my nemesis. And we were fighting and there were explosions, whole bunch of lasers, a lot of lasers like he's just he's making things up off the top of his head. And and the audience eats it up and it's just hilarious because it's like, what is what is that Gotham like that you can not only book a child on your talk show to talk about them fighting an adult nemesis, but also that nobody is at all concerned that, hey, this little boy is someone's kid and could get hurt. And who are his parents? But anyway, Steve, <laughs> what do you think? It astounds me the way all our brains seem to work with some kind of magical synergy. Because, Kelly, I was thinking that exact same thing. How the flying fuck does Tawny get her guests on her show? And the only way I could work it out was she is the niece of Tawny the Talking Tiger of uh, Shazam's acquaintance. And he, because he knows Shazam, has the contacts for all the heroes and he can get them booked 
on Tawny, his niece's show. Um, either that or I just need even more help than I thought I needed. That's, that's the only <laughs> way I can think about it. But uh, Robin, um, uh, Kelly, I know you'd appreciate this. Lots of lasers. Oh, love it. Love it, love it, love it. What about you, Brad? Wow, Steve, that that uh, that is a brilliant hypothesis. <laughs> I think that if the writers I'm an evil genius podcast, they, they, they really need to, to take that to heart because that that's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, and Kendra, I kind of agreed with you. I liked Robin a little that less in the scene than I did in other scenes in the show. He seemed a little more of the Damon Wayne we get in the in, in the comics. Uh, but it's funny through all of it. I, I uh, never really thought about these people thinking like, well, who's his parents until, you know, Kelly, you and, and Steve brought it up. So that's that, that that's a good point. It kind of makes me think of the scene in a different light. Um, and uh, up next, and this is my personally favorite scene in the episode. Um, Lois Lane writes an article. Oh, that basically supports the fact that Robin is is Harley's nemesis, and Harley is none too happy. So she decides to kidnap Lois to make her write a retraction. Now, granted, Ivy warns her, you don't fuck with Lois Lane, because Superman will show up. And Superman does, and he brings along a little friend. Uh, Kendra, what do you think of this scene? I think this scene just furthers my theory that Tawny is the old college roommate of Lois Lane. And there's some probably some animosity there because she's got her talk show now. Lois is still doing the $7.99 paywall for the Daily Planet with no word puzzles. And <laughs> no word puzzles. But, I mean, this whole thing is hilarious because Lois is just like, okay, it's another day in the, in, in the world. Because she just sits there and she's like, okay, yeah, I'm not doing that. Not doing it because Harley's like, oh, I want you to write this, you know, in no relation to any kind of nemesis with the boy or birds and not setting evil, evil women back 20 years. And Lois is just like, no, I'm not doing it. I love that lie. <laughs> not doing it. And Superman busts in, forgets to, to close his mouth. So he's probably got a mouthful of, of drywall. And all they're doing is talking about sushi while he's embarrassing Poor Damien, and it's just it's it's an awkward scene. Kelly, what do you think? I I actually genuinely cried the first time I saw this scene. And to be fair, I had had I had had some Wednesday wine that day particularly, but I remember just bursting into like hysterical laughing tears because everything from Lois Lane's just cool demeanor of. You know, it's she is so certain that nobody can hurt her that she's not even bothered. She's not even tense. She's sitting in that chair like she wants to be tied there. I mean, she's like, she's just so confident. And Superman blasts in right on cue and is the most lovable dope I've ever seen. In in that one second, he's just like, huh, yeah, shouldn't shouldn't bust through walls with my mouth open. And she's like, yep, I keep telling you that. And it's, it's such a normal couple interaction almost that you forget that this is Superman and Lois Lane. And then when Damien busts in, I think the thing that got me is that he's on one of those little hover scooter things, which is just such a, <laughs> such a good modern detail. It's not even like a bat hover scooter thing. It's just a hover scooter. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and how did he get up there? And what, what went into them planning this? I have so many questions. <laughs> But this scene is one of my favorite scenes, Steve. Oh, so right. I mean, they are literally a real couple. He might be super powered and he might be able to fly through walls and chew on bricks, but they are so real. But like you said as well, both of you, the way Lois Lane sits there, not a single solitary fuck is given. She's surrounded by villains. <laughs> she just doesn't care. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I just call this Wednesday, really. It's like Superman will be here in a minute. But it's whatever, you know. <laughs> just bring me a coffee and a donut. I don't care. And then poor old Damien breaks in on his little hover thingy. And he's there saying, go, get, go away, Boy Scout. Like, whoa, this is Superman you're talking to, kid. What the fuck? Seriously? It's just priceless. 
absolutely priceless. That they are the characters we love from the comics, but they're enhanced and polished, and the bullshit stripped away, and they're just the most real I've ever seen them. It's it's a joy to watch. What about you, Brad? I just love the scene uh, from the details of the hover scooter. Oh, so good, and just how humiliating that he breaks in and lets a 12-year-old handle it, and he says to his girlfriend, uh, do you mind if you let this kid handle it? No, that's fine. We're still getting sushi later. Like, paying no money. <laughs> you know how I roll. <laughs> that sushi line just oh, Dad, killed no. me. That was, just, that was my single favorite line. Are we going to get sushi later? <laughs> yeah, that's how I roll. Fantastic. Uh, but just, yeah, that that's just uh, so so well written the scene was just i just i just absolutely loved it hi everyone i'm here to tell you about the dc comics news podcast here every week to talk everything dc movies tv comics and everything in between but don't just take my word for it here are a couple of our sponsors listen to the dc comics news podcast it's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. And then, uh, after Harley uh, returns back to Ivy's place, dejected, she finds a little joke played by the Joker. Uh, Kendra, what do you think of this scene? That all that room needed was some more ash. Like, <laughs> that's what it needed. <laughs> but he's such, I, I'm, I'm, oh, Joker is such a dick. They only, like, they, they don't bring him in very much this episode, but the parts that they do is brilliantly done because he just, he just pokes it. He just pokes the bear and he's so ready to just be like, oh, Robin the Cradle. Congratulations on your new nemesis. Like, he isn't even with Harley, hasn't seen Harley, but knows, like, internally knows how much this is getting to her. That this is what what is played out. She went after Batman, and instead she ended up getting the pint-sized wonder. And I just, I absolutely adored it. I was like, okay, so you're just, just keep poking it. Let's see what happens. Kelly, what do you think? I my one of my favorite lines. This whole this episode might be my favorite episode because one of my other favorite lines is, "Ah, oh, baby, that'll be so bad for your career, but so good for your Instagram." Oh, <laughs> because I, I swear I've heard that conversation in real life before. <laughs> it's just so it's 
it's amazing to me kind of how they're able to take such bizarre situations and bizarre characters and they ground them in things that feel very, very human and very normal. Like that, that is a conversation I'm sure I've had friends have. And the hover scooter is something that I have definitely seen kids up and down the street on. Not one that can fly like that. I mean, that's impressive. But still, it's these little tiny details like that. And I mean, the Joker is just an asshole. Like that takes, and also, does Ivy lock her apartment? Because Cy just came in, someone was able to set up a whole fake baby shower. I mean, I feel like there is very little security. But all of that aside, the Joker is a dick. He is just the worst. And I kind of, I would say I enjoy this telling of him it's in my top three, for sure. Steve? Like you said, he might be the clown prince of crime, but he's also the crown king of douchebags. He's just a nasty <laughs> piece of shit. He's so selfish. Like, no, you can't have Batman. He's my Batman. He's my Batman, I tell you. And you actually feel like, hang on, do you two want to get a room or something? <laughs> like, He might not fuck bats, but is he fucking the clown? What? Seriously? This is nuts. And... Ivy's apartment. Seriously, is this an episode of Friends where people just come in and take stuff out of the fridge? <laughs> what the hell is going on? It's nuts. It's crazy. And boom, bang, more ash. Let's break another table. Love it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Brad, what did you think, my friend? Yeah, you know, this. And I've said this before, uh, but man, this is the least charismatic Joker ever <laughs> and he's not somebody that you want around he would like come over and he's just like oh this asshole again let's get him out of here and yep yeah he, he's just not somebody you even like care about in in regards to the show the other characters definitely steal his thunder and that that in itself i think is a fascinating take on the character and that being said yeah and he is just a straight up asshole <laughs> and uh every time that he does get what's coming to him it's always it's always fun to watch so yeah, yeah definitely definitely a dick and harley has decided that she has absolutely had enough so she decides to turn the tables on her little 12 year old nemesis and expose him in front of tawny's audience now, Steve, I'd be curious about your twist of logic, how that all transpired. Uh, but Kendra, what do you think of the scene? I think it's brilliant. I mean, Kelly brought up how they're, they're geniuses at being able to ground these characters. And another thing that I think that they are absolutely spot on about is they will, throughout each episode, leave little hints or things that people at the time of watching it will be like, oh, well, that's inconsequential. Why are they even doing that? Like, for, for Damien, it's the nosebleed. You see him do it two or three times before the this scene happens, and you don't think anything of it. You just think it's a nervous tick. But then we have King Shark, who literally, you know, forebodingly says, I don't do well with blood, and here comes the shit hitting the fan. Like, they literally sealed it up with a nice pretty bow as to what's going to happen. And poor Tawny, or maybe not even poor Tawny, because this is probably one of the best episodes she's had. Um, I mean, it just... it. Eighteen's gold. It, it is. It's, it's daytime television gold, because everything and anything that could possibly happen, even bigger than Jerry Springer, I mean, it's absolute chaos. And, and like Kelly says, it's, you know, we've gone, we've definitely, definitely gone off the rails at this point in the show. Kelly, what did you think? Yeah, I, uh, well, first, my favorite thing about this scene is when, uh, you know, it, it comes out that Damien and Harley aren't nemeses, nemesis, nemeses, um, it flashes across the screen, the not the nemesis, like they do in the Moray show with not the father, and that, like, that just tells you so much about what they value on this show, that it's like a normal thing that it's up, have the not the nemesis card ready to go. But also, I, I think it's, this is turning into, I need to write some kind of a thesis about Tawny, because my questions are geared towards her. You have a child that you've booked on your show, as well as the 30-year-old woman who likes to attack him, who brought with her a shark tank. 
and we are not concerned at all. That's, I mean, that's a little bit crazy to me. I don't know what, I don't, I mean, good television is good television, but at what point do you have to ask some questions, maybe? I don't know. Steve, what do you think? I think all Tawny's seeing is ka-ching, ka-ching, ratings, sweeps week. Oh, I'm in the money. And um, yeah, get in the shock tank in the studio. Hmm, interesting. Have we got super-powered roadies working on this show? What the hell's going on? It's fantastic. And like you said, Kendra, as well, the writing. I was the little boy who got the nosebleeds in extremely hot weather or when I was nervous. So I thought, oh, poor old Damien. I can't believe I'm actually rooting for you, kid. And then but I thought, oh, God, hang on. King Shark doesn't get on with blood. <laughs> and it's the other characters' reactions. Well, that was misleading. <laughs> I thought that was absolutely priceless. Brilliant. I don't know how they arranged it. I'm sticking with my... Mr. Tawny, the talking tiger thing, because um, if anyone's got pull and sway with zoos and cages and fish tanks, it's got to be a talking tiger. That's my um, thesis, and that's what I'm sticking to. <laughs> what about you, Brad? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, definitely a different side of uh, King Shark, but yet it's a side that makes perfect sense because sharks do get crazy mm-hmm. when they uh, see blood, so that was, that was definitely... Uh, a nice little little twist and he warned them you know kind of like he said he said i don't do well with blood uh but they didn't they didn't realize that's what he was talking about um so that was kind of an interesting side of good old king shark especially on the first episode where we meet him that we get this you know two sides and from what i recall correct me if i'm wrong but i don't know if we've ever if we ever get to see that side of him again in the show, uh, not that I remember. Yeah, um, with the toilet wine. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, uh, but yeah, um, I, I just wonder how Harley set it all up with the studio audience and the Shark Tank and everything like that. Yeah, that's 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 a question on my mind. Um, but yeah, that was it's uh, always a good scene and. Batman arrives just in time to save the day, fights King Shark, and fights Harley. And Ivy arrives just in time then to save uh, Harley. So, Kendra, what do you think of this this fight scene? Speaking of not one hair out of place and being nonplussed, here comes Ivy bursting through the door, seated beautifully on her plant. I mean, it's it's gorgeous. That was probably my favorite moment. Was here she comes. To save the day and looks at Harley and she's like, I'm here to do what I normally do. I'm cleaning up your fucking messes. <laughs> and <laughs> non-bothered, but like, okay, it's another day. What'd you do now? But I mean, the, this scene was, this scene was epic. I mean, you just, you flip between a fight to seeing everyone watching the Tawny show and see just how much reach this show has. Because it goes back to Soups and Lois eating their sushi. You have yeah. Aquaman on the toilet watching it on his phone. Wonder Woman eating her Wonder Rose with a milk mustache. Yeah, the milk mustache. <laughs> and then I don't know, I don't know. So I'm gonna pose this question to you guys. But there's a cut scene where it shows Penguin and his wife. And I don't know if this is Joshua or not, but he gets off the couch when Ivy busts in, and that's me. That's my reaction of him going, Yeah, Ivy! Get him, Ivy! Yeah. <laughs> the, the little details make this so perfect and hilarious. What about you, Kelly? Yeah, I. Uh, oh, there's so much to unpack in this scene. I mean, one, the when Damien starts yelling for help and he's going, you know, help, help, and then Batman, Batman, and then right when he's about to to get Shark. He, he starts yelling, dad, dad, that was such an oh shit moment for me when I first saw it. Because it's like, oh, yeah. Batman's going to be mad. Like, <laughs> Batman is going to be really mad. And then it kind of cuts that intensity with the fact that we see how the Justice League likes to enjoy their daily television. And then mix that in with that sort of, you know, if you're, if you're watching one of those like Jerry Springer or Dr. Phil or whatever shows, it's they tell you some crazy story. And they have the people immediately involved. 
And then, ooh, after this break, we're going to add another layer to the drama. And then, ooh, after this break, we're going to add another layer. And that's exactly what Tawny does. She's like, oh, and Batman's here. Oh, and Poison Ivy's here. And then eventually, oh, and the Joker's here. And it's like, this woman is just watching her bank account get fat, essentially. This is, this, she must just be in, in television host heaven. But yeah, I just, I love this scene. It goes from really kind of intense to just, ridiculous and then Kendra like you were saying that just graceful entrance of Ivy and then she even tries to stir the pot a little bit when she's like "Ooh, well Ivy's getting sick of of Harley not respecting her boundaries like she's just kind of poking her head in there in the middle of all this super drama and (laughs) I love it I absolutely love it Steve what do you think This is daytime TV that I could seriously get behind. I would watch the ever-living shit out of this show if it was real, (laughs) because it is fantastic entertainment. And yeah, Tawny is the biggest stirrer. She's like half woman, half wooden spoon. She just loves, ooh, look at this. Ooh, how can I make this even worse than it is? But do you not think, right, A, Ivy is awesome. But the way she's just so nonchalant, she just comes in there like, yeah, this is just me, you know, pulling Harley's ass out of the fire as I always do. I would love to have a Harley, uh, sorry, an Ivy and Lois Lane team up because they're just the two most badass chicks who do not give a flying fuck about anything. They're just like, yeah, well, you know, this is my life. Deal with it. And it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant to watch. Love it. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I, I this scene was was also very well done. Uh, but I think my favorite thing is just getting that uh, view of the other characters watching the TV show, uh, like that milk mustache on Wonder Woman, uh, hilarious. Uh, Aquaman, like all, I mean, that was just that was so well done. There's so many little things on the show that the jokes come at you so fast, it's hard to absorb them all. And that was kind of one of those, those moments. And it was just, it was just fun to watch. In fact, I, I went back and, and rewatched it uh, a few times because it was just <laughs> trying to see all their reactions. And it was just, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. So s- such, uh, such a fun scene. And then uh, Joker comes like the dick he is and ruins everything because he, Besides that he does not like anyone stealing his thunder because he robbed the bank as well. And Batman wasn't there. He came out of the bank. Hey, where's Batman? And that upsets him. So he breaks into the Tawny show as well. Uh, Kendra, what do you think of this scene? It was it was perfect. He, you're right. He comes out of the, the bank and he's like, well, what the fuck? I did all this. Like, it's, it's almost like he doesn't even rob the bank just for the cash. It's he, wants, he wants the fight. He wants the Batman. And Batman wasn't there, so he hunts him down after seeing him on the TV show. And he, he the first person he addresses, Harley. What the fuck do you think you're doing? Batman is mine. And it's just it's beautiful. I mean, this entire thing is set up, and the the the, the missing kudos here is to the sound effect guy for the Tawny show because his his way of just immediately knowing what needs to go on on the screen. <laughs> when these people arrive is, is breathtaking. I mean, he is on point. He better be getting paid some big bucks. But Kelly, what did you think? Yeah, I, um, you know, actually spe- speaking of the, the Tawny show staff, I really do like that. Uh, at some point in this whole debacle of Batman, Ivy and the Joker showing up, they take a commercial break and they play that like, tawny outro music and we just see kite man in a bar somewhere bobbing his head like singing along to the tawny <laughs> and it's like this is that standard in their world this is this is a normal evening of television for them but yeah the joker is just i mean this puts everything that we've always known about the joker in such a different perspective mainly that if Batman wasn't there to stop him, he would not give a shit about robbing a bank. He just doesn't care. We've seen it in, you know, in several comic books where the Joker just loses his mojo if Batman's not around. And so the fact that he gets out of out of robbing a bank and then busts over to a TV station to yell at his ex for taking the attention of his nemesis is just it, it's 
a version of the Joker that makes sense, but I don't think we ever thought we would see before. And and for that matter, it just he is just a dick. He is just a dick. So I mean, in 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 the words of the Joker, spit it the fuck out, Steve. What do you think? <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. That's the best way I've ever been introduced. I love that. Um, <laughs> Oh, God. He literally is like a six-year-old supervillain. I mean, you say that Damien's a spoiled brat, but Joker is the ultimate spoiled brat because he's come out of that bank. And like you said, he didn't want to rob the bank. He just wanted to get into a fight with Batman and get on TV and whatever else fuels his ego because he is pure ego everything has to be about him and it's fantastic that this has always been the case in the comics but it's been highlighted in a stupid 20 minute violent sweary cartoon show it's vintage joker but like we've never ever seen it before and it's like brad and and all of us say every single week that the writing the humor the voice acting in this show just like paints a different picture of these characters but doesn't change them or dilute them if anything it polishes them and shows us like the vintage uncut versions of the characters as they've always really been but without all the bullshit and it's just brilliant it's absolutely priceless from bat repellent sprays to um damien being a complete child liar he should be going to summer camp and Pew, pew, pewing with his friends and everything else that goes with it. It's fantastic. Love it. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I, uh, I think I've, <laughs> I think I've said my piece on, on the Joker on this episode. So I won't say anything more. Uh, but I do find it funny that he kidnaps Robin, and we don't even ever see that fight between Batman and Joker where he gets Robin back. So it was so inconsequential. It's just another Wednesday. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He takes him and that's all you see until we're back at the Batcave a little later in the episode. Um, So it seems like you said, I think that's an example of of how well the show is written and how well that these writers understand these characters. I I definitely think that these writers love comics. Uh, You can't go this deep with that much confidence without loving the source material and it's it and it really shows and i did i just love it and next uh, to add to poor ivy's troubles she gets evicted uh kendra what do you think of this i feel so bad for ivy but the thing that struck me most about this scene was like i said earlier they have these these things that you, you don't really pay attention to until they become like right up in your face. And one of those for this scene is the entire time we've had this poor table in the middle of the apartment who's done nothing to Harley or Ivy. And the first time that this poor table gets broken, Harley's like, here, I'm going to make it rain. And here's all this money to pay for the table. And the second time Ivy's like, okay, that one's on me. And then this last one, the door slams and the table breaks. <laughs> And Ivy's just like, we're going to split that. And Harley's like, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. That, that, it made the scene for me. That was my favorite. Kelly, what about you? Poor Ivy, man. She is, I think when you go, I mean, this is her apartment. It's her lease, her landlord. But clearly she's taken on some roommates. And, you know, I feel like in every living situation, there's always that one roommate who's done nothing but follow the rules and clean and try to keep the place nice and it just when it all falls apart it's like oh you poor thing I mean Ivy kept the place clean the fact that there were sharks and a lot of broken tables and nine broken TVs is really out of her hand but um yeah that was a swift eviction I mean she got no extra notice that is sirens a tight chip Steve what do you think you see, things I think is the complete opposite. I can't believe it took four episodes for her to get evicted. The amount of <laughs> shit and blowing up henchmen and people getting eaten by talking Venus flight traps that I thought, wow, finally she's been freaking evicted. Uh, Sai, listen, you've got the patience for Satan putting up with that shit in your building, seriously. Oh, really brilliant. 
genius writing, fantastic acting, and some of the best character work ever. I mean, like the, the whole bit with the table. Yeah, first time was Harley's fault. Second time with Ivy's, then they split the third one. But listen, these designer tables, what are they made out of? Sugar glass? Seriously? <laughs> one loud bang and boom, it's bust. And she goes out and buys the same one again. Oh, it's it's priceless. It's just so funny and and we all know i mean i think all of us have seen this show i know kendra has because she reviews it for dark night news but we've all watched these episodes before but they are so well made that re-watching them actually makes them better um watching this episode again today for this podcast uh i think i laughed more than the first time i watched it loved it what about you brad i always you know it's funny that you bring that up steve because i i find that with comedy it's not necessarily funny the first time you watch it. It gets a sign of a good comedy is something that gets funnier the more you watch it. And this episode definitely did get funnier the more that I watched it. And that's another little uh, uh, gem on the crown of how good this show is. And I, you know, the whole, I felt so bad for Ivy too. <laughs> we'll split this. And even, uh, even Harley did when she said, "Yeah, that seems fair." She wouldn't have even. She's not even putting up a fight anymore. She's, she, even Harley's realizing at that point that, yeah, I'm making it pretty hard for her, uh, which I, I kind of enjoyed seeing that side of, of Harley as well, and just that quick little line. So again, the show so so well written, and coming to now the final scene of the show, uh, where we are back at the Batcave. And uh, Batman consoles Robin and tells him that he didn't have a nemesis until he was almost 20. <laughs> and then Robin, Robin accepts that and he says, well, when can we talk about sex? <laughs> Batman's like, gotta go. <laughs> Kendra? I hear the bat signal. <laughs> yeah, the bat signal right now. <laughs> but I mean, that's... Oh my gosh. Like, that's... We've been mentioning that this show is so great at, at grounding the characters, and the writers are absolutely brilliant. I mean, there's there's literally no other word. But for this, I mean, as a as a parent, sex is such a taboo subject. But yeah, I'm I'm right there with bats. I'd be right there, like, okay, let's talk about like going out and fighting people whose <laughs> whose aim is to kill you, and we won't talk about sex until you know the bat signal stops calling. <laughs> Callie, what about you? Well, yeah, I um, I think this scene did something that, and I can't point to anything specific, but I've know I've seen scenes like this in other shows where it's they're talking about something, and you know they're actually secretly talking about sex and losing your virginity, but they're they're masking it by saying I didn't have my first whatever until, and then the fact that it turns around and smacks you in the face with no, we're actually going to talk about the thing. And, like, that the joke isn't that it sounds like Batman and his son are having a serious conversation about, you know, the natural maturing process, but then that they actually take the extra step. And Damien's like, yeah, so when do I get to have sex? Is like, (laughs) it's just ridiculous and bizarre. And I really enjoy the fact that we kind of get to see this goofy side of Batman being a parent here where he wasn't ready to have that conversation. So he is out. He is done. He he hears the bat signal. And <laughs> he wants nothing more to do with Damien in this case. Which, yeah, Kendra, I mean, he can talk to his son about murderers or about the fact that he's going to have a nemesis and someone's going to spend the rest of their life trying to destroy you. But that is where he, cro- that's where he draws the line. That's too much. Steve, what did you think? we say it every week that this show is wacky it's crazy it's far out but when it comes to that yeah kendra you're so right that is the most real thing i've ever seen in this t-shirt you want to talk about what Mm, yes i have to go polish the cat i mean it's like you just need to be in a different space when that conversation comes up but it's the whole brilliant relationship between batman and damien like here damien take this you didn't make that alfred did yeah, but I told him to make it. So yeah, it's just brilliant, 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 classic, classic Batman. But I also want to go back a little bit for another fantastic piece of writing because we, we talk about the writing in this show so much. The bit where they're in Tony's studio and Ivy falls on Harley 
that whole no. thing where we're just waiting for that other shoe to drop when it's going to happen. And the little line at the bottom of the screen from the teleprompter guys, kiss you, I've hardly even know you. And I thought, oh, that's just brilliant. And the way the whole audience stops breathing at that moment, everything about this show, Batcave, hearing the bat signal, awesome. What about you, Brad? Yeah, yeah this was such a nice little wrap-up scene. Uh, you know, Batman is such a character of just sheer focus on one thing. Uh, you know, thinking of him as a parent just kind of throws all that to the wind. So, of course, it makes sense that talking to his son about sex would kind of make him crazy and, and kind of freak him out. and He runs away. It's the one thing that could maybe scare Batman. Uh, and, you know, uh, I'm sure that's understandable. That's not I, I, I don't have kids, but I'm sure that's not a fun conversation to to have. Um, but but, yeah, I mean, he handles it in Batman style, I guess. And, yeah, uh, Steve, I'm glad you brought up that scene, too, because that, I, I think that that's a little bit of a, a hint of what's to come. Uh, you know, we, we talked about that on the other podcast that they're going to try to explore that on the second season. Uh, and maybe that was the first hint of that, even though it was way back in the first season. So, so we'll see. So that wrapped up the episode. Now to kind of finish off the podcast, I'd like to go around and, um, like we kind of do every week and, uh, ask you guys, what is your favorite line or a tagline for the episode? Uh, Kendra. I think mine's got to be King Sharks. I'll kill you all. That yeah. just did the switch from this meek <laughs> IT guy to holy crap run is perfect. Kelly, what was yours? Uh, oh, I got a couple for this one, but I think I think I would probably have to go with um, you can't fuck with Lois Lane. You just, it's something you're supposed to know in the DC universe and Harley had to learn the hard way. <laughs> Steve. Batman does not want to talk about sex, but listen, look at Dick Grayson. If anyone's well named, it's that dude. Cause I don't think anyone has put it about the DC universe more than Mr. Grayson and should all else fail. Just send Damien to summer camp with Joshua from episode two. That'll work. But my line from this episode, the one that scared me the most was, oh, Catwoman says he waxes everywhere. I'm just leaving it there. Brad, what about you? Uh, I'd have to go with that'll be Nards or. Yeah. <laughs> or, are we still getting sushi later? <laughs> Those are my two, <laughs> my two favorite lines from from this episode. Uh, yeah. So. That has been uh, us talking about episode four of the Harley Quinn animated series on the DC Universe streaming service. Uh, so I'd like to go around and ask you guys where they can find you uh, on social media and online, things like that. Kendra, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at DevourAllWords. I can also be found on the Dark Knight News doing reviews for them for the Harley series. Um, Fantastic Universe is doing pretty much whatever the hell I want. And um, on Facebook at Kendra Hale. Kelly, what about you? Where can we find you? Yeah, that was a cool-ass Twitter handle. Um, you can find me doing opinion and editorial pieces for DC Comics News. And you can find me on Twitter at KelGainsWrite. Um, you can most often find me talking absolute crap about the Harley Quinn animated series every week with my fine feathered freaky friends and it's so much fun then most weeks again also on the DC Comics News podcast and on my own little show I Am The Night where we talk about the sister show to this one the less sweary Batman the animated series um, if you want to see my written work the easiest way to do so is to just go into your search engine and type in Steve J Ray for links to my news reviews and interviews on both DC Comics News and our sister site the Batman related Dark Knight News, or just type in Fantastic Universes for website, which is all about every kind of fandom, not just DC related, but anything you could think of. Like Kendra says, she writes about what the hell she wants. That's what we want. 
everything about what you love. And if you want to have a chat with me about this show or any others, just to talk to me, talk comics, talk fun, talk life. It's at Elstevo, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. Brad, where can the world find you and all the wonderful shows on the DC Comics News Network? You can find me writing news and reviews for DC Comics News. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ClickyB1. And you can also hear me talking with uh, you fine people about DC News uh, every week on the DC Comics News podcast. So everyone, uh, all of the podcasts on the DC Co- uh, Comics News Network are available wherever you find uh, podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcast, Google Play, wherever you may, Stitcher, uh, they're there. So just look them up. So find us, at, find us, uh, subscribe, and rate, and let us know what you think. And something we always like to say at the end of all of our shows, uh, what we should all be doing, we should be reading more comics. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> Three, two, one.